Welcome to Medicana Talk with Dr. Joe Rosado. This program seeks to educate you on topics having to do with medical cannabis. You'll have a better understanding of the industry, insight, and guidance on how cannabis is a safe and important innovation in medicine today. Now, here is your host, Dr. Joe Rosado. Hello, world. This is Dr. Joseph Rosado with Medicana Talk. Coming to you live from beautiful Deltona, Florida. Today we've got an amazing guest, as always. Uh, we'll be introducing him shortly. Before we do, my co-host, Ed Pisani. Ed, say hello. Hello, world, and uh, thank you for tuning in again. I'm looking forward to learning a lot more about cannabis, and I can't wait to ask some questions to these amazing experts we have on the show today. All right. So as you guys already have heard me say in the past, the cannabis industry is projected to balloon to $50 billion by 2026, and its job market is projected to grow 700% by 2020. There are many investment funds and business accelerators for companies developing ancillary products and services for the legal cannabis industry. These companies are funding and nurturing the infrastructure of businesses that the legal cannabis industry needs to continue on a high growth trajectory. Today's guest is an investment, uh, an investor in the medical cannabis space, as well as uh, the founder and CEO of Florida Cannabis Coalition in Florida, obviously, and the CEO of House of Jane. We have with us Mr. Tom Quigley. Tom. Good morning, Dr. Rosado and Ed. Um, thank you so much for having me here today. And I'm excited to uh, talk a little bit about not only the industry, but what's going on throughout the country as uh, things are starting to progress. So thank you so much. So tell us a little bit about yourself. How'd you get into the medical cannabis industry? How'd you get into you know, being an investor in ArcView, getting involved with Florida Cannabis Coalition, which, you know, I was there at the onset back in 2014, and then recently you've been named the CEO of House of Jane. So tell us a little bit of your trajectory over the next few minutes. Yeah, so, um, you know, I wasn't always a cannabis act, act, advocate, so to speak. Um, I actually, you know, believed what I was told growing up in the 80s, that cannabis was a drug, just like every other drug that was out there. And um, then I... I uh, unfortunately um, became ill in 2012. I was told that I had a mass on my pancreas and um, knock on wood, after about four months of going through Moffitt Cancer Center and numerous different tests, we found out that it was not cancer. It was just a, a fatty growth deposit that was on my pancreas. Oh my God, that had to have been scary as hell. It was uh, very scary. I did my will. I sat my children down, um, you know, and I really prepared for the worst. Um, and I remember it very vividly. Um, you know, it, it was scary, but I decided that I was going to fight and I was going to beat this. They were telling me that I had a 1% chance if it was cancer. So um, I sought out how I would treat myself because earlier in my life, uh, I battled opioids. So from 2007 to 2010, and I didn't want to go down the painkiller path with the surgery that I was expected to take. Um, so I did a lot of research uh, as being a type A personality, 
you know, person. I just delved in and I looked at everything that was out there and I found out that people were using cannabis to treat cancer, not only cancer, but other ailments, everything from anxiety to, you know, using it as an antibiotic. And I was blown away. Um, fortunately, I uh, found out that it was not cancer, but the research and the experience of dealing with my own mortality really shifted my whole perspective and point of view. Interesting. I have a question for you, Tom. Um, you had mentioned type A personality. Have you noticed when you've been using uh, medical cannabis that that in any way changed your uh, personality type in any capacity? Or do you feel like just the same person you are um, every day of the week? You, you know, I think it has changed. It slowed me down a little bit. You know, uh, as you know, many type A personality are extremely go, 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 go. Mm -hmm. And I have found over the years that I've, you know, and I don't know if it's just the experience that I went through, but I found that I'm a little bit slower in, you know, not in a bad way, but I don't run into things as quickly. Um, I focus a little bit more and I, um, I actually take my time before jumping in to situations where I believe in the past, I always felt like there was a rush. So I, I believe it has, you know, not dramatically. I still feel I have the same personality. I just have a little bit of a different perspective. Interesting. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, that that was the catalyst. And that's the same catalyst as I've found with a lot of people that have come into the cannabis industry. I was in telecom for 17 years. I built a brand called The Homies. It was prepaid calling cards to call all over the world. And, you know, I, I dealt in an industry um, that was declining with telecom due to technology. So uh, I was fortunate. My business was acquired and um, I made a decision to jump into the cannabis industry full speed ahead. And that was in 2013. And by 2014, I started looking at companies that I could invest in and I could um, use my skill set of distribution, branding, and running a multi-million dollar business to some of the emerging businesses that were coming and upcoming in the cannabis space. And that's really how I got my start. Um, unfortunately, in Florida, we didn't have a law here yet. And so uh, I was planning on moving to Denver, Colorado with my wife and we were gonna get in uh, involved with a, in, um, an edible cheesecake business there. And uh, I, I found out that John Morgan and uh, United for Care, which was previously um, uh, 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 run by a woman, and I can't remember her name right now, Kim, I, it, it eludes me, but was going to change the law here in Florida. So I got behind Amendment 2, and I realized that um, if we were going to pass the law here in Florida, I was going to have to share the newfound knowledge that I had received due to my illness with the masses. Hmm. And that's the reason that we started Florida Cannabis Coalition. Um, and. What I did was I traveled this whole country going to the markets where cannabis was being legalized, Colorado and California specifically, 
uh, Washington as well. And I found some of the leading experts like Steve D'Angelo um, and some of the people that were really changing and evolving new companies like Duma from Ebu, who's now with Province Brands. And I brought them back to Florida. Uh, Adam Bierman, who's now with MedMen, one of the billion dollar companies, um, was a speaker at one of our events. And I brought those people here to Florida to start educating the people here on what was happening around the country and why we should legalize it. Interesting. So um, could you tell us a little bit about um, the House of Jane and uh, what uh, you're getting accomplished uh, or what you're trying to achieve there, I should say? Yeah, sure. So House of Jane was a company that I um, came across in 2015. Uh, they were at Arcview and uh, they were... Um, they, they had just begun distributing a branded line of beverages, and it included coffee, coffee cake cups, hot chocolates, and bottled teas. And being someone who didn't drink alcohol, mm -hmm. I was at a um, party in Denver where adult use was acceptable and was um, actually distributed in the bar setting. And I had an opportunity to taste their infused tea while I was there at the party. And um, I was at a party with probably about 200 to 300 other investors and everybody was having a great time and there was really no alcohol being um, consumed. And I looked at it and I said, wow, this is the future. This is really the future of cannabis, that it's going to be a social experience for a lot of people and that's going to revolve around beverages so i was uh initially looking to bring house of jane to florida um as a product and so that that never materialized but i stayed in contact with the company over the years i was doing consulting with them on distribution brand extension and how they can actually take a brand that you weren't able to advertise and do a grassroots marketing campaign to, you know, build brand equity and brand distribution. Um, recently, they were acquired by a group that is um, taking them now into the public market in the U.S. And that group has brought me on as their new CEO. So um, now with the, uh, hang, hang on. Uh, mm -hmm. So with the passing of the farm bill, we had a a guest. Uh, a few weeks ago, speaking on the the advent of the Farm Bill 2018 that was signed into law, making CBD or hemp legal in the United States, has that made a difference in the promotion of um, House of Jane? And also, other than the tea and the coffee, what other products do you guys you know bring to the table? Yeah, so it, it has. So prior to the passing of that, our, our products were only available in medical states where we had a license holder that was producing THC versions. So now with the passing of that, we've evolved and we've um, developed a product that could be distributed in more locations throughout the country. So our same um, pop, most popular products like our K-Cups, our hot chocolate, and what was our boost powder. Our boost powder is really the power behind our products. It's a nano emulsified powder that is created from cannabis or hemp. 
and then it is used to help to infuse these beverages with a very consistent distribution of the molecule to allow for it to have a um, consistent taste and work with succinct type dosing. So um, with that, those products are now being launched and even though the farm bill has passed, there are still laws and there's still um, things that are preventing companies from building products on a national basis. But what it's allowed us to do is create products in a state-by-state -state basis, which would be available to consumers, not just in dispensaries, but through physicians' offices, through health food stores, as well as directly online within those states. So there are still challenges to launching a national brand, um, but it has made it more accessible for companies like us. Ed, you had a question. What were you going to ask? Yeah, I was kind of wondering because, like, I'm like on the outside looking in in a lot of ways on the cannabis industry, and uh, every once in a while, I have people come up to me and say, "Man, I really wish I could get in um, to an IPO and and be like ahead." Because every, there are a lot of people looking at this as a, like the next tech boom, where like there were companies back in the day like Google and Yahoo, um, just to name two, that are now like gargantuan stocks that you, you can't buy it for like seven bucks anymore um so I, I guess like being a guy from the outside looking in what would be something i should do if i wanted to invest and sort of jump in and get my feet wet what's your suggestion tom yeah so there's two ways you know i i, I took the accredited investor route uh, so if you're an accredited investor meaning that you have um, you know, an income of a certain level and you have net assets of, I believe it's a million dollars. Um, there's certain opportunities that you can invest in, like at ArcView, where you can find some of these companies. But then there's also other opportunities like um, companies that are going the IPO route. A lot of them have friends and family rounds where um, they are able to offer um, shares pre-trading which would either be restricted or non-restricted, and investors can get into some of those opportunities for as little as $5,000 or even less, depending on the structure of the offering. Um, so I had an opportunity before MedBen um, went IPO on the Canadian market. They were doing what was a, a round of um, an investment round through private offerings. Um, T God as well. Many of the companies that you see that are trading right now, even like True Leave here in Florida, mm -hmm. have done the rounds. It's how we've raised capital pre-trading for ourselves as well. Um, so one of the things is to really get involved and in, in know some of these companies prior to them going trading, so you get into their circle. So if you if they do have an opportunity, it's presented to you, and you're able to you know either participate pre-trading that way um, because once a lot of these companies get trading then um, the share price is very volatile it goes up on catalyst events um, so the opportunity to get in pre-trading is is extremely attractive to many investors right now it's just very difficult to find which companies are going to be going public and be able to be in tune with that 
I, uh, you've, you've, hang on. You've hmm. mentioned ArcView on multiple occasions. Can you explain to our listeners what ArcView is and how influential they are in the cannabis space? Absolutely. So ArcView, um, I joined it when there was around 80 members. They have over 700 members now. Most of them are accredited investors, many VC funds, venture capital funds that are members. Um, emerging companies, they pitch their idea or their business to these investors on stage. It's a lot like Shark Tank, if you've ever watched Shark Tank. Um, the companies get up on stage, they present their opportunity, and then investors in the audience or that are members then have an opportunity to invest in those emerging businesses through a direct investment, or sometimes many of them pool their money together and have formed their own small little funds and um, can get involved in some of these emerging companies before anyone else knows them. So I guess that's the one other question that I would uh, have is like being like just a little fish in a big pond. Uh, what are some things like the small small guy investor that's just getting started should be concerned about? Or like what, what are some things that you're like, hey, that's a red flag. You might want to be careful of that um, that you could share. You know, so so – the public market, I lost my ass on the public stocks. <laughs> okay, as a personal investor, and the reason being is I bought into the hype. So in 2013, you may recall, um, there were a lot of stocks that were uh, on the U.S. market, and what and I found out about them by, you know, on Twitter and through press releases and things like that. And what I came to learn was, Many of these companies were unaudited, meaning that they were just putting out press releases either when they hired a new, um, you know, uh, employee, when they, you know, presented at a event in, you know, an investor event. So there was no real subs behind a lot of companies. So um, one of the things that I've done is I've resorted to you know, looking at the fundamentals of a lot of these companies. There's a few resources that you can go to, marijuanastocks.com, technical420.com. Also, you can go on the um, SEC website, Edgar, and look at companies and their filings once they are trading. Um, so, you know, there are a lot of red flags, you know, uh, on, on some of the emerging companies because – like some companies just changed their name. They were an aerospace company before and now all of a sudden they're a cannabis company and they're publicly trading and they're really not in the business. They're just issuing some press releases to talk about how they're going to get into this new business. And that's happened for years, you know, companies, you know, jumping on whatever the new um, buzzwords or, you know, technology is, whether it's stem cell technology or, the internet boom or cannabis. So one of the things that I would say is try and look really into the fundamentals of who is involved in the company and really what their business is, you know, what, what they're going to do. And, and then, you know, just like everything else, investing is taking bets. You know, you bet on who, the, who they have in charge. You know, you bet on the jockey, you bet on the team, and then you bet on the strategy. Um, so, you know, it's very difficult for a small investor to weed through the things that are out there. So I always recommend 
either um, getting some resources or even forming your own investor group with a few friends, almost like a small mastermind. Cool. That's a great idea. I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. Oh, no problem. Now, you're almost as busy as I am, Tom. So uh, with the companies that you're involved with, you know, with your investing with ArcView, with your contribution to Florida Cannabis Coalition and setting up, you know, seminars, conferences, and bringing speakers from all over the world to come to the state of Florida and educate the state of Florida, and your involvement with House of Jane and products and everything else, how do you kind of juggle all of those three and how do those three companies kind of dovetail with each other to you know allow you to have the life that you have because I know you're married I know you have you know a lot of responsibilities beyond that you know you're a dad of pets so you know how, how do you do this all <laughs> you know I sometimes I ask myself the same question <laughs> <laughs> Well, one thing that I found was when I first got involved in the industry, there was a lot of shiny objects. So there were a lot of different things that I was chasing down and going after. Um, the, you know, the reason Florida Cannabis Coalition was founded was really just to educate people and 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 teach them that this industry was coming. Then we formed Green Carpet Networking, which is a networking company that um, it goes twice a month and meets at local um, breweries. So last week we were at the brew bus in Tampa and the objective of that is to meet new people and educate them. About two years ago, I passed off the responsibilities of running both Florida Cannabis Coalition and Green Carpet Events to my partner, Pete Sesta, who, who helped me to found and um, start those. And he runs the Florida Cannabis Coalition and Green Carpet Events with Chess. So I've been out of the day-to-day -day operations with that now for almost two years. I still help and I am an asset to them and it's um, a great way for me to meet new people getting involved in the industry. In fact, um, I, I actually am very proud of the fact that many people that now have businesses in Florida got their start by coming to one of my events or coming to one of my networking and, and starting from there, like Provita Health, Mike Wong and his CBD company. Um, there's a lot of uh, companies that CR World has come from there, um, you know, just to name a few. And there's a lot more that I'm leaving out right now in my mind. But, you know, I, I, it gives me a lot of pride and joy to see that. That was kind of my giving back of, how I wanted to help the people here. Um, now I'm focusing 100% on my task at hand, which is House of Jane. I'm back to what I used to do, back to the basics, so to speak. So my prior life was building national distribution for consumer products, specifically prepaid calling cards. So we had a network of 40,000 different retail locations and over 70 different distributors throughout the state or throughout the country that distributed our branded products. And now with House of Jane, I'm right back into my old wheelhouse. So I spent a lot of time, a lot of money um, becoming educated, not only on cannabis, but on the business of cannabis. And now I'm applying my real skill set, which is 
distribution, branding, and the building of a and the leading of a company to the house of Jane. And that's where my priorities are today. Now it's interesting that you're mentioning all of this and what's going on, you know, all the shiny objects. Um, for those of us that are involved in the cannabis industry, you know, a, a week or a month doesn't go by where a CEO of a major company is fired or is replaced or is let go. And there's a large turnover in the major companies that, you know, started out years ago, were publicly traded in Canada and are now finding new CFOs or CMOs or CEOs. What do you attribute all of these changes to? You know, it's, it's, it's experience. So many of the risk takers and the pioneers that jumped out in front of this train and risked everything to get these companies started, um, that's what they do best. They are great at starting businesses. They're great at, you know, um, taking the risk that others won't. But there's a transition where founder either evolves to a great CEO or they find the right quality team to put in place to take that company to the next level. Now, many of these companies have grown so quickly that um, it was beyond the capabilities of the initial people that were in place, much like House of Jane. So Ben Shepard, who was the CEO prior to me, he actually you know, recognized that he needed somebody to take his company to the next level. And he stepped down as CEO and I took that role because I was a CEO for over 17 years in a highly regulated industry. So I was qualified to take the company to the next level. Many of these other companies are facing very similar situations. The founders became CEOs because basically they were chief everything officers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's you know? true. It's it's very true. When I went to college, I took an entrepreneurship class, and they said uh, typically a founder gets bored um, after the the thing is started because they don't have that adrenaline rush, and they're like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna make my money and walk away. Um, and then they have the entrepreneur that comes in. That's kind of like the internal entrepreneur that makes things happen. And what you're sounding, what you're sharing, sounds like what I learned back in the day. Yeah, it's 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 simple business. You know, we've got some founders. Okay, like Ebu. Ebu was founded by John Cooper and uh, Duma Duma Wenshu. And Duma was one of the speakers in 2014 that came here to Florida. If you go on the Florida Cannabis YouTube channel, you can see his speech and Dr. Rosado's speech and many of the other people. But um, Ebu was founded. I had an opportunity to invest in them when I think their value was $2.5 million. And um, I did not jump in that opportunity. I know some people that did. Um, Duma stepped away from the company and uh, went to Canada to start another company called Province Brands. And in the meantime, his partner, John Cooper, um, continued you know, driving that ship, and it was acquired for over $425 million by Canopy Growth last year. So, you know, sometimes, you know, the and now Province Brands is going to be another um, powerhouse from what I see. I, Jane, House of Jane has a um, partnership with Province Brands to do product development in Canada for Jane's Brew and distribution through their new entity. So, you know, it, it's it's... 
it, it, it's very true. You know, people that create like to create. People like that run like to run the business. Um, just like growers, you know, there's people that love to grow cannabis, and then there's people that love to distribute cannabis. Usually, the two skill sets are extremely different. This is true. This is very true. That's that's very interesting. It, it's kind of nice to uh, get a different perspective uh, in in this uh, in this uh, um, radio show because it, it allows everyone to really get excited about um, the different areas of the industry, and it's not just a simple um, idea. It's much more complex. So I, I'm glad you're bringing some of this complexity into the radio show today. Yeah, uh, no, my pleasure. And you know, what, one of the things that. I always tell people right now, you know, so I, I have the opportunity to go back and speak to newcomers to the industry at the green carpet events and I uh, get to speak all over. And I, I tell people things all the time, the same thing, you know, figure out what you're good at. So, you know, if, if you were really good as a physician, you know, be a physician in the cannabis industry. If you are really good in accounting, you know, be the, the industry needs everything. So instead of trying to start a new skill set when you get involved in this industry, you know, find what you're really good at and see how you can apply that to a business because the cannabis industry really needs everything. It needs everything from printers to distribution partners to transportation. You know, every bit of this business has um, an aspect to it that professionals are needed in. And, you know, we're, we're all figuring out cannabis to begin with, so we don't need people that are new to it figuring out how to do their job as well. If they're experienced in something, then take that experience and utilize it here. Nice. Well, we're getting close to the break. Uh, Dr. Rosado, do you have a, a final thought before we go into the break? No, I just would like for Tom to give us his uh, contact information and how people could get a hold of him and House of Jane. Yeah, so so my email is simple, tom at houseofjane.com. Um, and our website, our, um, our website is houseofjane.com. And on there we have our coffee K-cups, our hot chocolates. These are all our hemp-derived CBD products, and they're available right now. I also have a book on Amazon called Corporate to Cannabis. If you have an Amazon uh, Prime account, it's free. So you could go on there and read it on your Kindle. If not, I, I think it's like nine bucks or 10 bucks, but it outlines my story. I wrote it a few years ago and the idea of it was the green carpet entry. Um, but I, I'm very easy if you shoot me an email or find me on LinkedIn. Um, I get a lot of uh, new contacts through LinkedIn, and I um, try to respond to everyone except for you know some of the spam from China that comes. Mm -hmm. in. But if you want to reach out to me on LinkedIn, that's probably one of the best ways. All right, perfect. So let's take a break, and we'll be back in three minutes. See you soon. Dr. Joseph Rosado was the first medical professional to recommend medical cannabis treatment in the greater Central Florida region. He has since become a sought-after medical cannabis expert in Florida and abroad. Learn his story and find out more about Dr. Rosado's book, Hope and Healing, The Case for Cannabis. 
available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Kobo, as well as through the website josephrosatomd.com. You can also schedule an individual or group consulting session with Dr. Rosato. That's josephrosatomd.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Medicana Talk. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you can send an email to info at josephrosatomd.com. Now, back to Medicana Talk. And welcome back to Medicana Talk with Dr. Joseph Rosato on voiceamerica.com. I'm... uh, as every week, accompanied by Ed Pisani Jr. Ed, say hello to the people. Hello, everyone. I am literally loving this show today. This is like it is speaking to my inner child, all the cool things about business. <laughs> Outstanding. And our amazing guest for today is Mr. Tom Quigley, who's a certified investor with ArcView, uh, the founder of Florida Cannabis Coalition, and the present CEO of House of Jane. Tom, say hello. Hey, how's everybody doing? Thanks for having me. Anyway, now, now you've been speaking on investing and uh, the the business side of cannabis and how people can get involved in investing in cannabis and different companies and etc. But there's, there's the pink elephant in the room. And the pink elephant in the room is cannabis in the United States is federally illegal. So for those that are wanting to invest, they a lot of these companies are publicly traded in Canada. They're not publicly traded in the U.S. What are people able to do with their money? Because the banks are federal and the F and FDIC stands for federal. So how are people able to invest and where are they able to put their money? So that's an excellent, excellent question. And, um, you know, our roots was from developing cannabis-infused beverages. But in November, when um, we converted the business, we no longer touched the plant at all. So our business and our revenue is derived from two things, licensing arrangements where what we do is we license our brand and our technology to production partners in legal states and we don't touch the product. And then on the other side, we develop those same products in our hemp derived CBD products, which are not illegal anymore due to the Farm Bill 2018, but they are still restricted and there are different state rules that have been implemented that um, kind of have still prevented the industry from growing at the level that it will. Um, So one of the ways is to find a company uh, that deals either in technology or um, is like us where they don't touch the plant, but they will eventually once the laws change, or they have to invest in companies that have listed on the Canadian market where it is federally legal. 
So those companies are listed on the Canadian market. They usually have a dual registration on the U.S. market, and um, people can either buy them on the open market through an E-Trade account. But um, you know, many of the large brokerage firms like UBS or Wells Fargo, you still can't um, purchase these stocks currently. Interesting. And That's where, good to know. Where can you? Where can the investors put their money? You know, like let's say they've invested and they want to get out, or you know, they want to sell. Can they sell and put those monies into their um, bank accounts? Yeah. So in in a lot of the angel round investing, um, the liquidity comes. You know, their ability to cash out comes at a liquidity event. Either the company was acquired by a public company. So what's happened is many people have invested into um, startups in this space. And then those startups are acquired by a public company. And those investors then receive shares from that public company. Ebu, as an example, they were acquired by Canopy Growth in that acquisition. The investors that were angel investors, which had equity stake, received shares of that public entity. So that's one way that they have an exit. Um, the other way is um, the company that they invested into initially then went public either through what's called a reverse um, a reverse transaction, an RTO, or through, um, uh, through uh, listing themselves on the exchange. So we've seen a lot of companies that have listed um, we've seen a lot go very well. We've also seen a lot that have not gone so well. Um, so investing in a company that um, has the potential for liquidity is a little bit more attractive to myself as opposed to um, putting money into uh, a lot of emerging companies. The, the rule of thumb normally is um, uh, most of the investors, they look for 10 different companies and they're looking for one home run out of those 10. So if they put $25,000 into 10 different companies, you know, that they bet on, whether they bet on the jockey or in the team or the concept and the idea, and then with the ability for those companies to grow, they would either pay them dividends, which many are not, or um, go public through either an acquisition or a direct registration of their own like we're doing. I guess that it brings up a question because, you know, I'm not like a super savvy when it comes to all the stock and IPO investing, all the terms you tossed out. I guess I'm just like a simple man. So what uh, should a ba uh, investor, if they say, okay, I'm going to take your advice, I'm going to get like five companies, four of them are duds, when do I get out? Um, do I get out early? Should I wait a couple months? Should I wait a couple years? I'll wait till the end of the year. What, what, when, is, when is it time to like jump out? You know, I'm not an investment advisor. If I wouldn't, if I would know that, I probably wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair answer. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, you know, when when do you take your money and run, right? Yeah. So you know, it, it, it's an age-old question. Uh, you know, it, it depends on your your risk. You know, everybody's different, so it, it all depends on your um, capability to handle risk. You know, so you know if if you have the ability to mitigate that risk. You know, many people are, are riding it as far as they can. Um, and, you know, others like to take off their initial investment off the table and allow their proceeds to ride. So, you know, again, it's on an individual one-on-one one -on -one basis. 
Um, you know, there's a lot of risk. The cannabis industry is evolving. There's new laws. There's new rules that can hamper anybody's business plan. So, you know, as attractive as it is, it takes due diligence. So I, I always advise people really do your due diligence on the companies and then follow catalysts. You know, if the stock is rising and rising and rising and there's no real meat behind it, meaning revenue, assets, or the ability to build, you know, a platform like Amazon has done. You know, Amazon has not made money for years and years and years, except, but it was a great investment. Uber, the same thing. Investing is risky. Um, just because it's cannabis, it doesn't mean you're going to become a millionaire. I've met more people that have lost millions than made millions, unfortunately, in this industry. So, um, you know, I would say, you know, take a percentage of your investment income and allocate that towards this and then proceed with caution. Okay, that's cool. That's a great answer. Uh, wow. Now, Lots to digest there. Yeah. So let's switch gears because, you know, we've been focusing on the business side of cannabis. Now let's focus on the health side of, of cannabis. According to a 2013 review published in the British Journal of Clinical Psychology, the studies have found that CBD uh, possesses the following medical properties. So uh, it has an anti-emetic, or meaning it reduces nausea and vomiting, an anti-convulsant, suppresses seizure activity. And we've discussed in the past how, you know, in the uh, report done by Sanjay Gupta on CNN, Weed, he discussed how the use of CBD supported this little child in Colorado, uh, Charlotte, and they created Charlotte's Web for her because it, it addressed her seizures. Uh, antipsychotic, it combats psychosis and psychotic disorders. And anti-inflammatory, similar to ibuprofen or, um, well, ibuprofen or steroids that reduce inflammation. Uh, an antioxidant works on neurodegenerative disorders such as Alzheimer's or uh, multiple sclerosis or uh, Lou Gehrig's disease. Also, anti-tumor, anti-cancer. People have discussed how CB giving CBD to children has supported these children in reducing the tumors or uh, healing themselves from having cancer. Also, for anxiety and depression. Now, House of Jane has as one of its products a hemp powder, which you mentioned earlier, uh, hemp powder derived from hemp seeds. However, most of the listeners that go to their local health food store or are you know online and in social media are hearing or seeing products that are hemp-based oils. What's the advantage of the hemp powder in that House of Jane produces, and what is the benefit one over the other, powder versus oil? So our powder is very similar to the oil. So it, it's it's produced just like the oil. In fact, its base is the oil, and then it's emulsified. And then we use what's called a nano emulsification process. What is that? <laughs> yeah, you use a big word there. Explain that. Yeah, yeah. so... so in layman terms, what it does is it breaks the molecule down using sound vibrations, so it is able to connect 
and um, be able to be absorbed into your system with a higher bioavailability. I know that's a lot of big words, okay? So the, the products that we, even though we have a powder, our product is derived from hemp the same way as the oils that you're seeing. Now, you mentioned a lot of the medical properties that are out there. We're not a medical product. We are a lifestyle product. So we do not have any medical claims, obviously, around the use of our products because those have not been approved by the FDA. And if you saw recently, Cureleaf just got a slap on the wrist, so to speak, for um, promoting CBD products as um, having medical properties that have not been approved by the FDA. And that comes down to a product that's in the market, in the pharmaceutical market called Epidiolex. So we, as a company, House of Jane, do not promote any of the medical properties or benefits of using our products. Um, we actually promote it as a lifestyle, almost as a um, supplement or a daily type of addition to maybe in a deficiency that you may have in your endocannabinoid system, just like you would have a deficiency in other um, nutrients from oranges or uh, apples or vegetables that are out there. So more or less, you're like promoting this like a multivitamin almost. Yeah. So, you know, we, we, the, the fact of when we first got started, when at Florida Cannabis Coalition, we had to explain to people the difference between hemp and marijuana and the psychoactive properties of THC. Fortunately, this has exploded over the last few years and people know why they want to use a product like CBD or hemp derived CBD or even cannabis derived CBD. Um, you know, Let's go back to our product, though. Our product is hemp-derived, and it has a full terpene profile. So it's not only nano-enhanced, but we have a terpene profile reintroduced so it will still allow the entourage type of effect. Many of the powders that you're seeing in the marketplace right now, they're isolates, and all of the other terpenes, terpenes are smells and scents. They come from all kinds of plants. So if you smell lavender, that's a terpene for your listeners that may not be familiar with them. Um, but the terpene profile is really what helps if it's not only powder, oils, or other products to have a full effect. So we're seeing a lot of effects-based products that are coming out that are using terpenes. Terpenes, however, have the ones that are derived from fruits, vegetables and other plants, there's tons of research on the effects that those terpenes have on people. Terpenes like myrcene and limonene, and those are effects-based. So there's a lot of cannabis products that are in the marketplace that are introducing or reintroducing non-cannabis terpenes into their brand or their product for effects, whether it's awake, sleep, energy, so that's where that comes together. I know this is a lot of complicated stuff, um, so I don't want to get too much into it and talk about too many, you know, big words, so to speak, that I, guess I didn't the only until I got into this industry. 
I guess the only question that I have is uh, you mentioned the entourage effect. What is that? So the entourage, the, the plant has over 125, 20 different cannabinoids. Some say more, some say less. Um, but the different cannabinoids have different effects from what the research in Israel is showing. So unfortunately, we haven't had um, in-depth research here in the U.S. that shows the effects of, of the full plant, but from what what it has been um, explained, and this is common knowledge, whether it's the entourage effect or um, Dr. Rosado, I think in Canada they're calling it the ensemble effect now, correct? Right, yeah, they're talking yeah. about an ensemble, which is similar to going to a symphony and hearing the symphony. And it, it works best when you're hearing all of the sections of the orchestra playing. And even though you may have a solo here or there, you know, the percussion solo or the, the woodwinds or the strings or the brass section, but they always come back to the whole orchestra playing. And so that's, in essence, the ensemble or the entourage effect that you get these 100-plus chemicals in this plant all working together and acting on different receptors within the body in different areas, whether they're in the brain, in the spinal cord, in your lungs, in your liver, in your pancreas, in your bones. And they're all working together for the betterment of the health and maintaining what's called homeostasis. Homeostasis means a balance, an equal balance, so that your body's working at the optimal level. I'm stealing that description. That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> There's no patent on it, so you're free to do so. <laughs> yeah. you know, and, it's, and it's true. So it, it helps to bring our body back to homeostasis. But one of the interesting things that's happening is the industry of cannabis, and you guys may relate to this, and this is a little deep. It's something that I learned from my friend Steve D'Angelo. It's bringing communities back into homeostasis. It's taking communities where we had an imbalance in health or economics, and it's bringing those communities back to homeostasis, whether it's through revenue that's being pumped back into the community, whether it's um, decreasing the level of alcohol-related violence or alcohol-related incidents in those communities. And so cannabis not only is bringing... Um, you know, humans and pets back to homeostasis, which is their real balance, but it's also helping these communities as well. I guess that begs a question because, you know, I'm just like a kind of a newbie in this. Um, does CBD and cannabis actually, could that be like a diet solution for someone to get a healthier lifestyle? You know, everyone reacts different. So, um, there's, there's uh, some companies out there. Uh, I work with a company called GoFire, and they do what's called patient-reported outcomes. And I believe there's another one here in Florida called MJ Buddy. Um, they're called PROs, where they're, um, they're accumulating data from patients on how different strains work on different, um, whether it's blood types, um, age, or anything like that because everybody reacts different. There's no magic pill for anybody, whether it's diet and exercise or even, um, you know, medicine. 
So for some people, they're having tremendous results when they're using certain products that are higher in what uh, another cannabinoid called CBG. You hmm. may have heard of that. Or CBN, some of those are appetite depressants. So some cannabis products or even hemp-derived strains may give the consumer the munchies or that feeling of hunger, which is really good for cancer patients that are having a difficult time eating. But that may not be good for a, a patient that is the opposite, a diabetic that's looking to um, lose weight and, and become healthier. So that's where that homeostasis of the individual and um, a lot of it right now is trial and error, figuring out what works well for yourself. So um, yes, your, your an answer to your question is many people are using it um, to lose weight. Um, there's physicians offices throughout the state where they have before and after pictures of patients with their face on their medical marijuana card when they initially got it and now a year later after they've lost 50 or 60 pounds. I think, Dr. Rosado, you have one or two patients that have experienced, you know, results like that. Oh, yes. Um, I have patients that have lost anywhere between 30 and 100 pounds within, you know, a year to a year and a half utilizing the cannabis. One, because of the different um, cannabinoids that work on the different receptors that help the patient uh, not have an appetite and by not having an appetite they eat less but also because they are free of pain and have a better uh, mobility have a better outlook their anxiety is under control their symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder are under control so they can leave their home and now are able to go to a gymnasium or are able to walk around the house or are able to go swimming or whatever or individuals that have you know have been on chemotherapy medications that were always feeling nauseous and, and were throwing up. Now they no longer are throwing up, and so they're able to assimilate their food and get the nutrients necessary to be able to feel and be healthier. Now, you were talking about your products being a lifestyle product. So, how do people, how would people be able to purchase these lifestyle products? Where would they go? So we have them on our site right now, and they're also going to be available in health food stores and dispensaries in Florida soon, um, thehouseofjane.com. And, you know, we produce a coffee, which has your daily CBD in our Nano Enhance, so meaning that you have a higher bioavailability. So to take your daily dose, you can, it's infused into your morning coffee, and you can do that either through our K-Cups or through our proprietary blend of coffee, which was designed to specifically marry cannabinoids with caffeine to allow you to have a, uh, that energy that you get from drinking caffeine, but with the smooth, without the jitters and without the brain fog that you may experience when drinking too much caffeine. Um, you know, and I want to go back to the daily nutrients. You know, prior to 1930, you know, hemp was, our, our cattle was eating hemp and our, our, you know, it was in there and it was being dispersed in the milk and in the meat and our bodies were consuming cannabinoids through that process and we've existed for the last 80 some odd years longer and even longer without it in our diets. So by reintroducing 
cannabinoids into our body through whether it's hemp CBD through a daily routine is where I feel that the future for consumers is. So not as a way to basically treat yourself when you're ill, but more of a daily preventative lifestyle product that you can consume on a daily basis, whether it's with your coffee, in your tea, in your workout beverage. And that's why we created the powders. You can basically add our powder to any beverage. We're, at, we're gonna be having a beverage making competition in September in um, Arizona with the Bud Show, which is a, 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 a group out in Arizona where we're gonna have mixologists come in and create better beverage recipes. So how can we combine different plants and hemp-derived CBD powder to create beverages that consumers can consume, you know, as part of their lifestyle, whether they're socializing. We all socialize over a cup of coffee or a beer. Why not be able to do it over a healthier, better beverage? You know, when you said that, the first thing that came to my mind was like the 1990s TGI Fridays bartenders that would like have like a whole dance and mixology challenge that they would do that popped right in my brain. I just want to toss it out there. I'm sorry. I digress. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I actually, I just got in um, from Amazon. I bought a book called Cannabis Cocktails and Mocktails by Warren Burrow. Um and he, he I, I met him on Facebook uh, through a post that I had made, and I found out he has a whole book on cannabis cocktails. I'm, I'm anxious to read it and take a look at it. Um, but even the, the mixing of alcohol and cannabis or CBD is being done. In, in Arizona, you could go into a bar or a nightclub, and instead of ordering an alcohol drink, you could get a CBD-infused beverage. So now you may not have a hangover in the morning when you go to work and you could still have a drink in your hand and socialize. So the evolution of the products into a lifestyle or social consumption is, is right around the corner. And we plan to be on the forefront of that with Jane's Brew and our products concentrating on the beverage market. Nice. Well, so in the next two minutes, um, share what you foresee the future is for hemp and medical cannabis and also please give your contact information your book information because you know it's I've read your book and your book is amazing so thank uh, you go for it yeah yes um, so I see the future right now I, I, I believe we're going to have something on the federal level which will legalize marijuana as it is, but it will all revert back to states' rights. I believe that the Farm Bill of 2018, which legalized it on the federal level as well, is the first indication of how that's going to be going. So as we see, you know, our new um, uh, Commissioner of Agriculture here in Florida, Nikki Freed, has developed a hemp committee and a marijuana committee, and they're evolving and developing rules that will be specific to the state of Florida. The same thing is happening in Arizona. The same thing is happening in other states. So even though we have federal legalization on hemp right now, we still are resorting to states' rights. I believe 
the same thing will happen with marijuana and it will resort back to states' rights as well. So our states and, and our local municipalities have the ability to set their own rules, their own bans, their own laws. You know, while researching, I, I found out that there's some cities in our country where pinball is still illegal because it's considered a form of gambling. There's also some places in our country where other activities are deemed illegal where they're legal on a federal level. So again, I believe we're going to have federal legalization, which is going to open up the banking. It's going to open up the opportunity for investors in the U.S. to be able to invest in the emerging businesses that are coming um, that are coming out here in the U.S. So instead of having to invest into Canadian companies or Canadian-based opportunities, the opportunity will be here in the U.S. to actually invest in companies like ours. We're going to be trading most likely in the next 30 to 45 days. We filed our registration two weeks ago. We passed our audit. And now we're just waiting for the green light from the SEC to begin trading in companies. And we're, we're one of many. There are many opportunities that will be emerging in the next few months, you'll see. Well, thank well, you. Tom, thank you. Thank you. It sounds like we're going to need a part two to this show. So <laughs> thank you again for your time, for giving us an hour of your life. I know you are an extremely busy man, and we thank you uh, for everything that you've shared with us tonight. And again, please, your um, email address and your website. Yeah, it's Tom at houseofjane.com. And on um, that's our web and our website is thehouseofjane.com. Our corporate site is h o j i n c. That's h o j i n c dot com, and that's our corporate site. That's where you can learn a little about about our company, thehouseofjane.com, janesbrew.com. That's our e-commerce site where you can have an opportunity to see some of the products that we have. Um, available. In fact, Dr. Rosado, if you didn't receive it already, you may be receiving a little gift package that I've shipped to your home to try our um, hemp-infused CBD coffee, and uh, that, that should be there in the next day, and I'd love to hear your feedback on how you like it. Outstanding. Well, thank you very much. Have an amazing day, everybody, and we will be with you next week at Medicana Talk with Dr. Joseph Rosado. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Medicata Talk. Please join Dr. Joe Rosado for another edition of our program next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. If you'd like to learn more about medical cannabis, we invite you to go to Amazon.com to purchase Dr. Rosado's book, Hope and Healing, The Case for Cannabis. Have a great week.